Hey guys, this is PJ, and this is daily podcast number nine. Uh, I had a really fun conversation uh, after service on Sunday with a friend of mine. He's uh, he's also a pastor. He's uh, my age. He's also a big movie fan, so we have quite a few things in common. Um, and I want to just play that conversation for you, uh, just our conversation about rewatchable movies, and, and we interact with some of the answers that you gave us as well. But before I do that, I wanted to share something with you and uh, reflect on that together uh, before we move on to the uh, more lighthearted topic of movies. Uh, this is a C.S. Lewis quote that some of you may have uh, read and some of you may have seen it circulating recently. Now, uh, this is C.S. Lewis living through the time, the post-World War II period, um, and the development of the atomic bomb. Uh, and people are scared. People are anxious about their future. And this is a quote from him. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read uh, parts of it. Um, selected parts from a longer excerpt. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at night, uh, or indeed as you are already living. Hey, Joni. Uh, in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. Uh, this is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, finds us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like a frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Now, um, I don't want to imply in any way from this quote uh, from C.S. Lewis that what we are going through right now uh, COVID-19 is somehow not a serious thing. It's a very, very serious thing. And we have to be wise about it. We have to be scientific about it. Uh, we have to be diligent about it and also courteous to our neighbors, uh, to our city. Um, at the same time, at the same time, I think especially as believers, um, we do have to draw a line uh, between uh, being careful and being fearful. Uh, uh, and we also have to draw a line between... Um, yeah. Between uh, being prudent and um, panic. Um, and how do we draw that line? I think, on the one hand, uh, we should be doing everything to be good stewards of not only our health, but the health of others. On the other hand... We have to pursue what the scriptures had always encouraged us to pursue. Joy, peace.
peace, thanksgiving, uh, and contentment in the little things. And I think that's what C.S. Lewis is trying to remind us here. Um, even, even during an age when the atomic bomb was very much a, a reality, um, a people who had just lived through World War II who are still living with that traumatic memory of a world war, he says, let it find us doing sensible and human things, um, talking with our friends, uh, spending time with our children, uh, teaching, listening to music. And uh, as I try to apply this to my own life, um, I see this tension as well between trying to be prudent, trying to be careful, trying to be prepared, and at the same time trying to be ordinary, trying to be regular, um, trying to engage with my friends, um, trying to spend time with my children, um, trying to have quality time uh, with my wife. Um, these are things that I hope I will continue to pursue and you will also continue to pursue. And it's really in the spirit of that that uh, I had this conversation with my friend Adam and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation and I would like to uh, hear your thoughts on your uh, favorite rewatchable movies as well. And this way, uh, stay connected as a community and continue to encourage one another uh, during this time. All right, so here's a conversation with uh, me and Adam. All right, so I got my friend Adam uh, joining me for the podcast for today. And uh, I'm going to let him just introduce himself uh, a little bit. So Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Adam. I am 34 years old. I will be 35 in three days, actually. Oh, wow. And yeah, I'm an April Fool's baby. Kind of sucks to be having a birthday during this uh, Corona quarantine, but that's okay. <laughs> I am the youth pastor at Taeyeon Presbyterian Church in Alpharetta. I've been at that church for about five years. Um, I am currently engaged to the most beautiful person in the world, and uh, I have two fur babies. Nice, dude. I keep forgetting that. Um... We're the same age. Yeah, I know. I think I come off more immature. That's why. Wait, so your April birth? Uh, my birthday's February. Oh, and, so your birthday just passed. Wait, are we both? You're, you're born in 85? Yep. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm 35 now. Yeah, so you're two <laughs> months-ish older than me. I, <laughs> Number-wise, yes, you are one number larger than me right now. <laughs> I was so disoriented for a moment because um, for some reason I thought I was 34. And then, <laughs> and then I just realized, I literally just remember now that I'm 35. Oh, that must have been sad. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Um, yeah, and, and it's also interesting how um, with both been at our churches i think about five years now oh that's right i forgot you've been at nca now for five years 
Yeah, about five years now. Yeah, yeah. it's been great. Wow. Um, really enjoying it and blessed to be there. Um, and you go to a great church too, and with a with a great pastor, um, Pastor Brendan. Yeah. Um, yeah, just good to good to have these guys in our in our presbytery. Um, but yeah, so you're kind of a movie fan, aren't you? I love movies. That is the one thing I go to when it comes to entertainment. I can binge watch movie after movie. And that's what I did in college. In college, I would just sit in my dorm room and just watch yeah, four movies in a row sometimes. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, that was also when I kind of had this. Well, I guess I was always into movies since I was a kid, but during college... It was like this movie renaissance, right? <laughs> just kind of, yeah, uh, just extra investment into movies. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so I did ask this question the other day, kind of as a follow up to the question about people's favorite Marvel movie, and and yours was Deadpool, which is yeah. fair, you know, uh, to go beyond the MCU genre, and and I think. Uh, well, I'll get to this later, but one of my favorite rewatchable uh, movies is actually Blade Two. The Guillermo del Toro. Wait, is that is that him? Del Toro. Um, I'm not I, sure I who did Blade Two, but I, I believe yeah, I believe this it was him, and um, somebody else did Blade Three, and and I keep coming up with these trilogies with like yeah. a really bad bad number three movie. You know, like, I was just talking about uh, uh, Spider Man 1, 2, 3 by Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Three is the one where people were like, what What happened? <laughs> right. Yep. Um, and, and of course, the classic example of Godfather 3 that yep. people did not exist. And for me, uh, Blade 3 is one movie I just wish didn't exist. But anyway, um, I thought it'd be cool if I uh, just read out some of these answers and then kind of we can kind of just share some thoughts. If you've seen them, your thoughts on it. I, I haven't seen all of these. I've seen most of them. Okay. But uh, maybe between the two of us, um, and actually some of these I haven't seen because like, I've purposely been sort of avoiding it or delay seeing it. Uh, maybe wanted to see it at, a, at the right time with my wife, uh, just for various reasons. Um, not because I'm not like, a big enough movie fan, but I am. And uh -huh. that makes me want to be like more intentional about like when and how I see it. Um, but anyway, all right, here we go. Ready? Yep. Okay. A friend of mine from seminary, Paul Siemens, Lord of the Rings. And he oh. says, uh, we watched the trilogy. I think by we, he means his family. Uh, we watched the trilogy once a year. Holy so, cow. Right, that's a good one, right? That's a. I used to watch it, but then they're so long that it just becomes like, <laughs> especially the second one. Like, I the first one I can appreciate, the third one I can appreciate, but the second one is just an entire three and a half like hours of people running across two open towers. valley. <laughs> yeah, I th I thought Two Towers was was the one with like the best line where he's like. Where he talks about hope, um, but yeah, this is it's an, it's an incredibly long trilogy. I should have followed up and asked him 
do you guys watch it like in one sitting or uh, divide that up like in holidays, you know? Yeah, see, one that... sitting would be crazy. And they have the the director's cut out, right? Which is even longer than the theatrical release. Yeah, 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 the uncut version. I think it's like four hours. Some of them are like four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and, and you know, what's, what's really cool, though, is when it comes to Lord of the Rings, what I found out is that people who, who have read the books and are a big fan of the books are actually also big fans of the movies. So, yeah, I agree. I think people definitely have said that the uh, Peter Jackson did justice for the books. Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't hear the same thing for the Hobbit, but uh, with Lord of the Rings, I think like the devout Tolkien fans have appreciated the trilogy. So that's yeah, that's a that's I would say that's a rewatchable. That's on Netflix now, I think. Oh, are they? I, isn't it actually? Let me check because I don't want to be giving people fake news. Because um, <laughs> last time I checked, yeah, they're all on there. Oh dang! At least it looks like Fellowship of the Ring, Return of the King, Two Towers, but maybe not the first. I don't see the first one. I see the second one and the third one. Huh? But yeah. No, those are definitely good rewatchables. They're, I mean, they yes. like revolutionized um, movie making mm. with the Absolutely. amount of. Well, I remember uh, Peter Jackson was always on board. He's wanting to do. Um, Lord of the Rings, like decades ago, but he just knew that we didn't have the technology to make that kind mm. of uh, a movie with that much CGI mm. and all those amazing characters. And so mm. um, it's amazing, especially to be able to make a movie like that, an epic adventure uh, with those, that kind of a length per movie and to get people excited about actually sitting in a movie theater for that long. That's, a, that's an mm, accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a throwback to uh, back in the day when like Gone with the Wind and stuff like that, you know, they would have like an intermission yeah, and people like spend a whole afternoon watching a movie, right? Or better, Um, except we don't get intermission now. You just need to hold it together. (laughs) Yeah. All right. My friend, um, Chuman from Kentucky, Um, Moneyball. Huh. Uh, that that's the one with uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, have you seen that one? Yeah, Jonah Hill's in it. They're trying to analyze like the best way to make a team based right. on statistics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was a very uh, entertaining and, and engrossing movie. I actually have a funny story about this movie. Um, so after our wedding. We were basically driving from Berkeley, California, down to Orlando, uh-huh. and that was basically our honeymoon. We stopped by like New Orleans for a couple of days, but um, the the part that was toughest to drive through was Texas. It was just like land after land after land, right? Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, I'm tired of driving. I need to just I need to find a movie theater, <laughs> just go see a movie. Um, and so we just pulled, we just exited um, and then found the nearest uh, movie theater and the closest showtime. And it was Moneyball showing um, around that time. And we ended up seeing that and uh, we both loved it. 
So in the middle of a road trip, you just got so burnt out from driving. You're like, I need to stop at a movie theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is awesome. It was like, it was like just recharging, just recharging, like just mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Um, it happened to be a good, I mean, can you imagine uh, going into a bad movie during that time? You know? Yeah. But I, I happened to, I happened to chance upon a really good one. So, so thank God for that. Um, Moneyball was really good. Um, I, I don't think I've seen it more than once though. Uh, so I, I don't know if it'd be a rewatchable for me, but it was a really good movie. So I was just thinking when it comes to the term rewatchable, I feel like that's kind of, yeah. it can go with like rewatchable as in like, you just want to watch it one more time. Or is it like something you can maybe watch multiple times in like a week or even like when it comes to rewatchable, Technically, every Christmas movie is rewatchable because everybody watches it every Christmas. Right, 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 right. So that's a good. So this we should have actually defined the term before we went off, right? Um, so let's put holiday movies in its own separate category. Okay. Okay. And because you're you're absolutely right. Those are told like I can rewatch Home Alone every Christmas. Yeah. Health. <laughs> that's fine. Um, by rewatchable, I mean I guess something like. Uh, a movie of uh, a movie that you can confidently say, uh, yes, I can watch that over and over again. Or you know, like when you get that sort of icebreaker question, if you were to be deserted on an island and you could take only one movie with you, uh, what would that be? Right? Yeah. So it, it would be something that falls into that category. It's like a movie that you just be able to confidently say, oh yeah, I can watch that over and over again. Okay. And, and because because it's such a repeated thing, I think people bring into that thought process like a lot of their own personal like life experience or memories they have with the movie, experience they have with the movie, or relationships that surround the movie. And so it, everybody's answer tends to be different. And that's what's really, I think, interesting about this question. Because mm. um, we're not asking like, what's the, what's the, um, greatest movie of all time because then then you have to get into like um citizen kane and godfather one two and you know that kind of thing but we're asking just for you subjectively personally most rewatchable so does that does that work as a functional definition yeah that helps a lot okay yeah <laughs> all right here's, here's ruth lee from our church uh and she put up the, the Pixar movie up. Oh, I feel like that's not fair because like I feel like all the Pixar movies to some extent are all rewatchable. <laughs> that's true. That's tr <laughs> you think? You think? Wait, you think Brave is rewatchable? I have seen Brave more than twenty times. No way! Get out. I probably have seen every Pixar movie at least twenty to fifty times. Wow! When who? When uh, Disney Plus came out. That was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I, okay, so I don't have Disney Plus, so I, I guess I guess it would be different if I did. But um, and and I have to discount all the occasions when like my kids are watching it. I just happen to watch it with my kids because because by that count, man, I've seen Frozen like probably more than thirty times. See, but at least um, you can use your kids for an excuse. I don't have kids. <laughs> You're just a Disney fan. You're just a Pixar fan. But yeah, Up was uh, great. Like, uh, I think 
I've seen it probably about three times still. Um, and every time, man, there are two scenes where I either just get teary eyed or just straight up start crying. because <laughs> uh, They're just, yeah, there's a couple of scenes that I, I always just get really moved by. Um, not sure if it'd be a rewatchable for me, but but really like one of my favorite Pixar movies, if not if not my absolute favorite. Really? See, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, if I had the opportunity, I would ask Ruth why up out of all the Pixar movies, because for me, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would pick it as even within my top five of rewatchables of Pixar. Hmm. Yeah. See, this is why this is so subjective. Yeah. But um, but yeah. For, I I I, mean, I don't know. I, I can't speak for her, but for me. It's it's the um, I guess the the hidden plot or the secondary plot with between the, the old man and his wife, right? Um, yeah. It's that romance, romantic relationship that they've had, and that coming back to life in a way, in a in a in a fresh way later on, right? Um, with with the scrapbook, um, that to me was like, I don't know, that had a profound impact on me. It, in a way that other Pixar movies, as much as like they're moving and they're they're entertaining and they're really fun, um, it didn't really have like as big of a lasting impact as, as the other ones. Like when I watched Coco, man, um, I was like I was crying like a baby at, at the end. <laughs> but um, but it, it it was it was a different experience. With Up, it was more like it, it stuck with me some reason hmm. there's that but but speaking of animation um aaron kavan a friend of mine from florida she put uh spirited away oh seen it once not a huge anime fan so i don't know if it's rewatchable for me wow that's see that's this is it just continues to surprise me because spirit away for me is like an incredible movie i've probably seen it about a dozen times uh definitely a a rewatchable for me love that movie uh through and through um yeah it's got everything it's 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 funny it's thrilling it's fun to look at um yeah love it love spirited away I have to talk to you about the more detail. With your your fiance. Okay, okay, we will. She actually likes it. I know she does. It's one of her favorites. Yeah, and 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 you guys would do subtitles, not dubbing, right? Yes. (laughs) I don't like that pause. I I had to think about this. I was like, wait, wait. Uh, Yeah, subtitles, subtitles. Great. Yeah. Um, John Lee. Remember John Lee from Orlando? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he put down uh, to like a, a very like youth pastor type of answer, um, but I I wholeheartedly agree. Nacho Libre. <laughs> love, I love Nacho Libre. Oh, John Lee. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've shown it to my youth students back in the day as well. Um, <laughs> Love that movie. Uh, I thought it was slight. I mean, it's different, but it was more likable than Napoleon Dynamite. Um, 
but yeah i know some people don't get like get that type of humor yeah i i understand that i i i love nacho libre so funny. so many i mean i don't know if there's another actually there are maybe a couple other movies that are just as quotable right the lines that end up on mugs and t-shirts yeah <laughs> maybe anchorman or um zoolander right you have these very like memorable lines that stick with you um but nacho libre is definitely one for me yeah yeah the only reason i would watch nacho libre again was to get to that one line where he says get that corn out of my face and that's like the only <laughs> line that i really really like i know there's a lot more but like that's like the big one that i always look forward to yeah uh that's it's a beautiful moment <laughs> yeah okay uh, Mimi uh, put down greatest showman oh my gosh good one that's a great one okay so that one I have not seen <gasps> you need to go watch that like right now like this podcast has to, needs to stop and you just need to go watch it so so okay, so that's one movie I haven't seen. I think more because I have intentionally avoided seeing it till now. Ah, oh, why? Why? Um. Well, I think I think um, what two, a couple of reasons. One, uh, people were like really hyped up about it when it came out. Like, yeah, everybody was just raving about it. Um, and I have a tendency to just kind of want to wait till that dies down because maybe I'm afraid of being disappointed. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I know good things. You need to go watch it because, well, okay. When it comes to the actual accuracy of the movie, it's way off. From what I know, P.T. Barnum was a horrible person and they over glorified and praised this man for what he did. And they fabricated a lot of characters to make this movie great. But uh-huh. the music is phenomenal. Um, it's one It's one of those musicals where, like, if you hear the song playing over the radio at a store, you uh-huh. hope that without you even knowing, you are part of a flash mob that you can dance and sing along with this song. Hmm. It's awesome. But really from the um, from entertaining point of view there's a whole redemption aspect of it too at the same time but um mm. it's interesting to see how like even uh i mean there's a point where you can definitely see where sin has like over- overwhelmed him and it really brings out his own demise um mm. but yeah there's more details mm. to it anyways but i love it um one of my i won't even say friends but uh someone that i went to high school with he's actually in the greatest showman he's the strong man that's part of the circus oh, wow. too so yeah so i support this movie because um i'm like a secret fanboy for him he's on broadway right now he's also in hades town in broadway um in new york wow. um but no i support that movie i only saw it because of him and it became quickly one of my like top five favorite movies oh that's very cool okay yeah yeah maybe i'll sit down with lynn and watch it one of these days yeah, and if not, Lynn, I'll watch it with you again. <laughs> <laughs> you hold my hand. And, okay. I will, and I'll sing the songs um, to you. No, yeah. 
Um, uh, Joseph, a uh, uh, buddy of mine in Virginia, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's a timeless, I mean, that's a classic. Um, yeah, probably will never get tired of Morgan Freeman's voice in that movie, right? <laughs> Just Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. San Montaneo. Uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Um, and, then, and then I have your answer here. Uh, and you have put another classic, Edward Scissorhands. Yes. So that is my all-time favorite movie. Okay, wow. Okay. So I know I've seen it once upon a time. Uh-huh. Like cuz it's it's a it's a pretty old movie, you know. It is. Um I have no real recollection of it. So uh just refresh just my memory here a little bit like what what you love so much about it. Oh gosh. Um just from like a cinemata- cinematography like point of view, I guess cinematic point of view. Uh Johnny Depp's acting I think was awesome because he's just playing this um basically like a baby that's trying to figure out life but he's not a baby. He's just something that's been sheltered the entire time. Um just like the weird minor small facial movements that he does just like his twitches his like it, it he really did play a, a, a i think he really made it believable that edward was a creature that really knew nothing about society and culture um but the reason why i love it so much is because i think it's always going to be relatable in society where there is something or someone that has entered into this perfect um, what people think is a perfect lifestyle where everything is cookie cutter on the outside and on the outside, everyone even seems interested and intrigued in this new thing as long as it benefits them. But the moment that it endangers them, all of a sudden it turns into something that they want to um, ban or like excommunicate or even cut out of their lives. And it just goes to show that people are so fickle and it shows like the fear side of people, but also the intrigue and what can really draw people. Um, And it's also beautiful to see that there's that one character, Winona Ryder's character, who always saw him for who he was instead of what he could be or what he should be. And Mm -hmm. even in the, in the face of him hurting someone and being um, shunned by the world, she's still someone who's, who knows him for who he is and still loves him. So for a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, the way I see it is like as Christians, we are in this world, sometimes we're accepted, sometimes we're not. Sometimes people have this idea of our image or even like what we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be. Um, but in the end of it all, our identity should be found in, in Christ. And I don't want to say we're known or write as characters like God or anything like that, but there is a constant in our lives that will constantly see us mm-hmm. and accept us for who we are. Mm, yeah yeah it's it's kind of interesting to to think of it in those terms um tim burton right he's the director right tim burton oh yeah mm-hmm. so yeah i think he he um he's really great at developing these characters that seem dark and gloomy and isolated and detached from 
general society and just kind of, you know, our, our normal suburban life or whatever. But then through that, portray someone who is very affectionate, someone we relate to. And, and then he, and then he communicates a lot of, I think, universal messages through that. And that's yeah. kind of cool. Um, he was like, he, he created something mm-hmm. sort of his beast, right. His, uh, and then interacting with the beauty and then having that whole maybe beauty and the beast thing going on there. Um, yeah. But you know, what? uh, I read your answer and I just, as you were sharing, I had another thought, like, what if, what if somebody made a horror movie, uh, Edward Scissorhand versus Freddy Krueger? Because, <laughs> hey, there's, there's another, there's another famous quote unquote Scissorhand. Um, I don't know, maybe there's some, there's something you can analyze culturally about that, about the comparisons between Edward Scissorhand and Freddy Krueger. I don't know. You put Maybe Wolverine another, in there too. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so I don't know who this person is, but uh, it's it's from this company called Insular Leather Company. Huh. Okay. Um, I probably would know who it is though if, if there was a name, but um, but anyway, the answer is Collateral. And I think that's the one with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, where Jamie Foxx is the cab driver, Tom Cruise is like the assassin, and he he makes Jamie Foxx drive him around while he goes on his runs, hit runs. Um, Yeah, super like exciting, entertaining action thriller. It can be kind of violent if you're not into that. probably not watch it but uh i actually like all of michael mann movies and this is one of his like better ones along with like heat and um public enemy um miami vice uh yeah i know i really good acting yeah so i know i've seen collateral but because i don't remember anything of it i don't think it's gonna be a rewatchable for me (laughs) yes I've I've definitely watched it like probably like seven eight times. I I bought the DVD after I saw it in the theater. It was just I thought it was amazing. Huh. Um, yeah, I I'm a sucker for action thrillers. So yeah, and 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 Tom Cruise. He's really Tom Cruise for me is like an automatic like hesitation for me for movies. He's good. He's so, I mean, he's weird in person, but he's, um, you know, as an actor, he's solid. That's true. He is solid as an actor. Dang it. Um, but yeah, my probably all time, like most rewatchable movie is his very first Mission Impossible movie. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, first Mission Impossible is good. Yeah, it was directed by I think Brian De Palma, um, and I don't know if he makes movies anymore, but he's he was pretty. He's he's a pretty famous director. But um, the story behind that is, I was in Korea for a year, in between like my years in Hong Kong and then moving to California, 
and I was living with my uh, Komo Komubu in Busan, so my uncle and aunt in Busan. And one night, um, they were going to go out and see a movie, and they decided to leave. They had two boys, leave their boys at home, leave my younger brother at home, but then take me along with them. Uh, I don't know if it's because I, I was I was the oldest. I'm the oldest among our sort of our relatives and siblings. But anyway, I tacked along as a young kid, and this is when I was like, I don't know, either sixth grade or seventh grade. I don't know, but very limited in my cinema experience, right? And they decided to take me to go see Mission Impossible in the theaters, and I still remember like where the theater is. Like it's in it's in this place called Nampodong in Busan. Pretty like well-known theater. Um, they have like these sort of uh, movie festivals and things like that. Anyway, and I just remember just being blown away by the whole thing. Um, I think part of it was just as a child um, sitting there going, "Oh, so this is what grown-ups do. Like <laughs> this is this is what they do for fun," and I'm kind of digging it, you know, and just. Um, probably at that point the most exciting drama i've ever seen um and and just that scene where he's trying to like infiltrate the the computer system right yeah hung on that rope and then that train scene in the tunnel just um i was blown away by that and so that experience stuck with me and and no mission impossible movie uh after that um really recreated that for me because it, it kind of took a different turn like mission impossible 2 really went off like to a different uh direction with john woo and it become it trying to trying to turn ethan hunt into this chime fat like action figure yeah uh didn't really work for me him flying off of you know motorcycles in the sort of slow motion um and then and then starting from three I think as a culture, we kind of went into this sort of Jason Bourne action era where everything is kind of like tight and exciting. Like James Bond even, I think, went over to that um, so intense like action thing. Yeah. Yeah. That drama aspect of Ethan Hunt kind of disappeared after after the first movie. So I, I, I love going back to that just having that dramatic tom cruise come out you know because uh, he can he's really good at being dramatic <laughs> like uh oh man like uh, what's that other movie um magnolia oh my goodness um if you want to see a dramatic tom cruise um you should watch magnolia but anyway that's like my probably my all-time uh rewatchable movie right there that's a good choice uh, last one is actually from my mom. My mom is on Instagram. <laughs> um, she's uh, she's in Korea, like in the countryside and um, living the quarantine life. And uh, we, we talk on cacao and she, she follows me on Instagram and she answered this question. She put in two movies. She put um, I, actually three movies. She put Gone with the Wind, Little Women. And I think that's the original, uh, like the older Little Woman with like Christian Bale and you know a writer. Yeah. 
not the recent one. The recent one I loved. Yeah, me too. I, the recent one was just gorgeous. Loved it. And Sound of Music. I feel like all Korean moms will always endorse Gone with the Wind and Sound of Music. Like, yeah. no matter what. Because those are the mom- movies that my mom always talked about. She would always be like, oh, when I was your age, right, right. I watched Gone with the Wind all the time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's like their Titanic. It is. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I don't know what the next, like, big romance movie is for our generation but for for them it was gone with the wind and then for maybe the previous generation was titanic and maybe right now i don't know what would you say right now Um, i don't know if there's anything to that level right like that epic romance timeless unfortunately i feel like the closest thing for this generation is going to be like twilight (laughs) no stop (laughs) I mean, think about it. What is big right now? It's those, it's those like fantasy romances. It's it saddens me that I actually have seen three of the Twilight movies. I've seen that's, all four. Yeah, and that's a lot of life wasted. It is. <laughs> it really is. But, um, I, I anyway. That's that's another topic. But yeah, I, it's kind of unfortunate. We don't. We can't think of a like epic romantic movie or like our generation because you can trace it all the way back to like right Casablanca yeah right um, but man Harry Potter oh no that's not romantic never mind. no that's not no that's not that's not the same but yeah hey maybe that's a question we can like try to like ask other people maybe they can they can comment on this and let us know if they if they think of one um it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I got enough. I'll ask Nicole. She might have a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of romantic comedies, but um, nothing like nothing like the large scale epic romantic movies yeah. of the past. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for uh, just having this conversation with me. That was fun. Yeah, no problem. This was really fun. I just realized since it is two people talking, it probably doubles and triples the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. All right, thanks, yeah, no man. Problem. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you later.